You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Coda Babcock. And I'm Portia Cook. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I go over updates in campus news with details on Black History Month events and give information on a car crash near campus Wednesday. I go over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies, and we hear from local band Shadow Work with the Live and Local podcast. After that, Coda goes over the impacts of a trucker protest. Then I speak to Kaylee Pickering of College Ave about their upcoming print issue, which comes out March 2nd. Eliza Droder goes over all information on CSU's athletics. To conclude today's show, Coda explains some updates on technology with information on why the Department of Justice confiscated over $3 billion in Bitcoin. Let's move right into campus and local news. I'm Portia Cook, and you're listening to Campus News, written by Ellie Shannon. The Colorado State University men's basketball team has a game tomorrow night at 7.30. They will be playing Fresno State University, and tickets are selling fast, so make sure to grab yours. Eliza Drodar will be reporting on all CSU sports later in the episode. Every February, CSU celebrates Black History Month. There are many events happening this month, and Thursday at 6, keynote speaker Sabrina Fulton will be speaking in the Grand Ballroom at the Lori Student Center. Friday, a special dining experience will be taking place at Aspen Grill in the Lori Student Center, and for dining options or reservations, you can call 970-491-7006. Other events throughout the month include a United Woman of Color brunch and hair show, a Being Black and Holistic health series, and even movie showings. To find all of the information on Black History Month programs, visit baacc.colostate.edu. ASCSU sent a weekly report out on February 7th, and Speaker of the Senate Kyle Hill addressed students about their previous session on January 26th. An incident of racial bias occurred within the Senate space when Senator Lizzie Osterout was questioning candidate Graham Avers. According to Katrina Levy of the Collegian, Osterout asked, end quote, Within ASCSU, Greek life has heavily dominated our space and made it a toxic space, leading to, like, different notions of white supremacy. And we are currently trying to fight that. So what are you going to do to change that? End quote. Senator Rathik Korea mentioned to suspend Osterout's speaking rights, but ultimately rescinded the motion. Kyle Hill, Speaker of the Senate, remarked in the weekly report that moving forward, white supremacy will not be allowed to dominate ASCSU in the future. Now on to local news. Fort Collins High School teacher Al McGee reported allegations of discrimination after taking her students on a field trip to a local staple store. McGee works with students that have autism and takes the students on outings regularly to different businesses so they can work on community-based skills. The staples manager approached McGee, a paraprofessional, and the eight children and asked them to leave after a group the day before did not buy anything. McGee informed the manager that they did intend to buy products and that her group from the day before bought some. According to Pat Ferrier and Molly Bohannon of the Coloradoan, the manager told McGee and her group that it was a privately owned business that keeps track of people coming in and out for sales numbers. McGee stated that he had never been treated this way before after nine years of teaching. The manager at Staples declined to answer any questions. For more information, visit coloradoan.com. During Wednesday morning, a crash between a pedestrian and a Toyota 4Runner occurred in the intersection of Laurel Street and College Avenue. According to Noel Mason of the Collegian, the pedestrian was crossing eastbound against the light when they were hit 
and they were transported to the hospital with serious injuries. The driver did have a green light at the time of the crash. For more information on this, visit collegian.com. Colorado Parks and Wildlife paid landowner Don Gittleson for the loss of his cattle after a wolf pack killed them. Colorado Parks and Wildlife paid him $1,800 after a wolf pack killed his Angus calf. He is still waiting for compensation for his two pregnant heifers that he lost in January because Colorado Parks and Wildlife want to wait before there are any more losses. A working cattle dog was killed on a neighboring farm, but compensation has not been finalized for the loss, according to Miles Broomhard of The Coloradoan. For more information on this, visit coloradoan.com. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Make sure to always tune in Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 5 p.m. This newscast was written by Ellie Shannon. I am Portia Cook, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is DJ Asher. And this is DJ Dallas. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Eliza Drotar. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's basketball, the team is 14-7 in their season, losing their last two games against New Mexico, 73-81, then Air Force, 63-67. Their next games are Wednesday against Utah State for the Orange Joe game and San Jose State this weekend. In men's basketball, the team won 17-3, winning against San Diego State last Friday. Their next games are against Nevada on Tuesday, then Fresno State on Friday. In women's softball, the team will be starting their season on Friday for the Eastern Classic. The team will be facing off against San Diego, Ole Miss, Dixie State, and Cal. In men's lacrosse, the team won their Border War matchup 22-6. Their next match will be against the Georgia Bulldogs next week. In track and field, the men's and women's teams competed in the New Mexico Collegiate Classic, and the Rams came home with multiple podium finishers. Congratulations to Mariano Kiss, Drew Thompson, Mauricio Gilando Vega and Elijah Scott for their top five finishes. If you are interested in student tickets, go to csurams.evenue.net to get your tickets for women's and men's basketball and more. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. Today, I'm joined by Kaylee Pickering from College Ave to talk about their new print edition. So before we get started, College Ave is part of Rocky Mountain Student Media and therefore, we are a connected organizations. All right, so now that we can get started, can you explain a bit about what College Avenue is and what the goals of this publication are this year? Yeah, so College Avenue is CSU's student magazine. Um, we strive to provide stories about the community. Um, and this um, semester, we're hoping to provide stories that resonate with the audience, engage their interests, but still do that in-depth reporting. 
All right. And then can you give us a bit of a timeline on when work began for this new print version and when listeners and readers can expect to find copies around campus? Yeah. So we started right at the beginning of the semester, first Tuesday that everyone was back. We had our pitch meeting. We pitched everything, assigned people to stories, and my writers immediately got working. So did designers and photographers. We're right now at the end of our work period with stories being turned in. So we're almost getting there, uh, getting ready to do the layout. But yeah, everybody's been working so hard since the semester began. All right. And then as College Av prepares to release this new print edition, um, what can readers expect to see in this version? Yeah. So our theme for this edition is food, which is super fun. But not only are we covering like recipes and stuff, we're doing profiles on restaurants. We're talking about composting, sustainability, the urbanization of farmlands. We have all kinds, like a a big variety of different stories. So be excited to read about food, but also learn about the whole process of what it looks like. All right. And then how do you think this edition, as it kind of explores the food system, compares to previous issues of College Ave in terms of content? Yeah. So we really wanted to kind of engage with our audience who is interested in more arts and culture, entertainment. So that's kind of why we chose the food, because we wanted to cater to that. But we still wanted that in-depth reporting. Um, So we're super excited to have a new kind of magazine-like content, I guess, because a lot of magazines produce like food content and stuff. So we're excited to have that. Yeah, it's something new for us and it should be really good. All right. And then what are you most excited for readers to learn about in this issue? I think Fort Collins is such a big place. And so it's hard to know every single business, every single thing we have. So I think just learning about new businesses, what they do, the food cycle in Fort Collins, I think that'll be really interesting for readers. All right. And then can you tell us a bit about some of the biggest challenges and rewards in working on this issue? Yeah, I think a big challenge for every writer, every reporter, I think is just getting interviews. You know, it's hard sometimes. They face that challenge, but they always overcome it and they always produce great content. But yeah, I think, yeah, I think one of the main challenges is just getting your pieces ready, going through that rough draft process. But everyone's done a great job of that and everything's looking great. So super excited. All right. And then as a student journalist, what do you think College Ave offers for students who work on it or read it? Yeah. So if you work for College Ave, which I highly encourage because it's the best, I think it's a great experience, just like anything in student media. You get real hands-on experience. So if you're really interested in magazine writing or any kind of writing, really, I would encourage you to try it because it's a wonderful experience. You get to know if you're really in love with it. And if you're not, that's okay. Um, But you get to try it and you don't have to like pay anything. So might as well. For people who read it, I think it's really special because it's about CSU and Fort Collins. So it's about your community. And so I think that's kind of fun to engage with that and also see things that other students have created. For sure. And then if someone is interested in getting involved with College Ave in the future, how can they go about doing that? Yeah. So there is a page on the collegeavmag.com website. Um, It says work for us and you can fill out a form and start training with us or you can email us at editor at collegeavmag.com. All right. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Um, yeah, our print edition comes out March 2nd. So please be looking for it on the stands. Um, super excited about all the content and can't wait for you guys to see it. All right. Again, that was Kaylee Pickering with College Ave. Like she said, the new print version comes out on March 2nd. So stay tuned for that.
Support for KCSU comes from Chiba Hut. Chiba Hut toasted subs is a cannabis-themed restaurant with three locations in Fort Collins and two close to campus. Ordering is available online for pickup or delivery. For locations and a menu, visit ChibaHut.com. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Cutta Babcock, and you're listening to National News for Thursday. New York ends their indoor mask mandate Thursday, adding the state to a list of states across the U.S. that will no longer require masks in public places. According to Rachel Treisman at National Public Radio, New York Governor Kathy Hochul gave a briefing at Wednesday where she said businesses will no longer require masks, although other public places like schools and healthcare facilities will. Many states began removing their mask mandates as case rates go down. After an initial Omicron variant spike in January, many states are seeing a decrease in new cases. New York, for example, saw around 400 cases per 100,000 residents during the week-long peak in January and currently has a seven-day case rate of under 35 cases per 100,000 residents. New York will also reevaluate mask requirements for schools in March, despite current Centers for Disease Control recommendations, which say that wearing a face mask is necessary in schools. Scientists say that oil storage spaces in Oregon require fortification to prevent a natural disaster. According to Andrew Selsky at the Associated Press, an earthquake in the state of Oregon could lead to a massive oil leak causing a river to potentially catch fire, along with a fuel shortage as the state recovers from that scenario. Due to scientists' concerns, state lawmakers are looking into ways to strengthen the critical energy infrastructure hub and make sure it meets safety standards in the case of an earthquake. The critical energy infrastructure hub stores over 90% of Oregon's liquid fuel sources, and the site is just six miles from a river. The city of Portland, Oregon commissioned experts to write a report which said that the soil underneath and surrounding the facility is especially prone to liquefaction in the case of an earthquake. Liquefaction is a term which describes when soil or other sediments become saturated by water, leading to it acting as a liquid. Additionally, the fuel tanks mostly range from 50 years to one century in age, making them less than ideal storage containers as the area faces potential movement along the Cascadia subduction zone. If this facility goes unrenovated, between 95 million and 194 million gallons of fuel could leak into nearby Willamette and Columbia Rivers and eventually into the Pacific Ocean, as the site is only about 100 miles from the ocean. After an anti-vaccine protest blocking the United States and Canada border, the countries expect to face an economic hit due to the delay it caused. According to a writer's team at Reuters, the White House said Wednesday that the protest may have implications for the auto industry as the Ottawa border protest passed its 13th day. In addition to this border being blocked, a separate border crossing site in Alberta has been closed to both travelers entering and exiting the U.S. since Tuesday night. A variety of people have spoken on the potential supply chain issues that could arise as a result of the protests, especially as the economy already is dealing with a variety of supply chain issues due to COVID-19. Protesters say they are remaining peaceful and using their chance to show their views on COVID-19 mask mandates, although some people in Ottawa have complained about attacks from protesters. The U.S. National Archives transferred 15 boxes of records from former President Donald Trump's property in Mar-a-Lago, Florida, to their facility in Washington, D.C. According to Jacob Rosen at CBS News, the archives announced that they acquired the documents in a statement Monday. Some documents retrieved include correspondence between the former president and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The archives previously received a collection of torn-up documents, which KCSU reported on, Prior to receiving documents from the previous administration, the archives waited to win a Supreme Court case with the former president, where Trump hoped to keep the records private. In Monday's statement, archivist David S. Ferriero said, quote, 
The Presidential Records Act mandates that all presidential records must be properly preserved by each administration so that a complete set of presidential records is transferred to the National Archives at the end of the administration, end quote. These documents will likely be used by the January 6th Congressional Committee as they continue investigating the Capitol insurrection in 2021. That's all for National News. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. You're listening to Live and Local, a podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. For our episode today, we have Shadow Work, a band that's currently based out of Denver after they all moved here from Idaho. We've got five songs for you here today, along with a little bit of interview in between most of them. Two of the songs they're going to play just back to back. To get us going, we're going to listen to their song, Trash Can Parade. It's hard to 
doing this morning doing pretty good man pretty good really awesome yeah this is great that's good yeah yeah um so you guys just played a show last night down in colorado springs yeah over at vultures vultures i don't know if i've ever even heard of that before oh it's pretty solid man it's right next to the sheep is actually yeah 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 it's right next to there and it's ran by the same people and they just have a bunch of really cool shows okay i've been to the black sheep before and i i mean it was old and <laughs> I had a great time though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, what was that last song called? Uh, that one was called trash camp parade. Trash camp parade. Okay. Yeah, it's off our previous EP of Robin's Island part one or excuse me, Robin's Island. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now was that, did you guys write that song before you moved out to Colorado? In, you know, part of it sort of like the, the groove through the verses was something that, that we had kind of played with for a little while. And then we kind of resurrected it for this song. Honestly, we thought it was pretty nice, pretty fun. So we thought we just went with it. So, yeah. Well, uh, chopping stuff up and <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know, you can't, you have a good idea. You just don't want to let it go away, go, go into the ether and never, never come back. So yeah, absolutely not. Put it absolutely down, not. you know, put it down on a record. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, what I want to start with, uh, with you guys is I see you're all from, you're all from different States. We all ended up down in Denver. Yeah. So how'd you guys like start playing music and stuff together? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I mean, with Raphael and I, we, uh, my name's Joseph and, and we ended up playing in kind of a touring band before this one, uh, actually when we met in Idaho. And so that was a, an awesome experience for us. And, and we, I don't know, we had a friendship through that and we also realized that we both really wanted to play music. So that was uh, something we kind of bonded over. As far as uh, meeting uh, Ben, actually it was random. I mean, about like uh, definitely several summers ago, he was just, you know, busking downtown, play just, you know, killing it on the drums. And I was like, dude, you're amazing. I was like, let's exchange information. And we did and didn't talk for a year, like nothing ever happened. And then I randomly ended up working with his roommate. And then, so we met again through that. And so it was kind of, you know, I think it was fate at that point. So you're like, oh my gosh, I saw you last year. I thought <laughs> yeah, you were amazing. Like, well, Never talked to you. <laughs> exactly. You're popping up again. So, and then from that point on, we all just kind of, you know, we were all playing music at one point and it just came together. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Good chemistry. Yeah. So Raphael, I've met you. We've talked to and had like brief conversations. Yeah. How long have you been playing? Um, so playing electric guitar, maybe seven years, but I've always played acoustic guitar since I was like seven. 
and then yeah, I played trumpet as well, and just kind of fiddled around with different instrumentation as much as I can. I just figure I like it, so nice. Try to see what I like with it. Yeah, uh, and then Joe, how long have you been playing? I think I've been playing uh, bass for probably like sixteen years or something like that, roughly. That was that was that was always awesome. That was one of the few things I think I, I did in my life where I just picked it up randomly and I'm like, you know what? I really enjoy this. I'm just going to do it. And so uh, it, it turned out well. I think I'm still chugging along. So we're still here. <laughs> nice. And then Ben, I don't know if we can really hear you since you're so far away from the mic. But I don't know if you can hear me either. Um, about the same for me, honestly. Like I'd say 16, 17 years. I started when I was 10. So nice. That's yeah. awesome. Awesome. And then okay, so over to the busking. You're busking in Denver. Uh, this was in Boise, Idaho. In actually. Boise, Idaho. Yeah, this is where okay. we all crossed paths uh, rather faithfully. Um, you doing it but yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I was bartending, and I my kind of only outlet. I wasn't in any any groups in my hometown, so I kind of just uh, yeah, I would just play on the street, play you know break beats and stuff, and it's you know you're basically you know getting paid to practice and meet people. So it's pretty cool it's though, a, right? It's a good way to spend your time. I oh, think yeah, absolutely. It's fun. Cool. So you guys just kind of all came together in Boise, Idaho then. Yeah. And then I ended up moving out to Denver and I was basically telling them like, yo, you guys need to come out here and do something musically. And they slowly trickled down to being out here and actually starting up shadow work. That's awesome. Sorry. Uh, okay. So you guys mentioned before that you were in a touring band together though. Yeah. 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 yeah that's true. Okay. Uh, we were in that band for like, what four years together i think so yeah about four years and we you know we we traveled all the way up pacific northwest down through california and did all that stuff yeah so that was uh yeah i think that was a definitely a good a good uh formative experience i was I a baby during that point too yeah you i was like 18 going to these bars man and like just trying to fake it till i make it but yeah, yeah that was a good time it was it was awesome uh we learned a lot it was definitely a little crazy sometimes but it was a definitely a good experience i, I wouldn't trade it at all that's so, rad for, <laughs> yeah uh so what was that touring band called Oh, that was Lakota, but Lakota? I want to plug them. So <laughs> this is Shadow <laughs> Work Time. Just, yeah, this is Shadow Work Time. Uh, it was more just, you know, formative years between you two. Totally. For sure. yeah. yeah, just getting to know each other, playing together. Yeah, yeah. playing, writing, all that stuff. I mean, definitely it, it helped out. Without yeah. that experience, like we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, we wouldn't realize that we were kind of hoping for the same trajectory. So Yeah, exactly. It's and perfect. living together, too, that definitely changes things. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be really comfortable with personalities and just sharing space <laughs> with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I don't have your set list in front of me, but you have, what's your next song? This next one's actually a new single that we're not be coming out with. It's called Fox in the Coop. Fox in the Coop. All right. You're hearing Fox in the Coop on 90.5 KCSU. Don't mind, but well, I make up all these lines. 
my hair held up some nights But you know I'm fine Time moves on, does the body know? Cause I feel it in my bones Go by everything I know Used up or out of time But a moment never captured this Well, still in motion A painting with no rest To the lies, holding till you're holding Thank you.
right, you're listening to Shadow Work on 90.5 KCSU. That song was, what was it, Fox and the Hound? Fox and the Coop. Fox and the Coop. Ooh, gotta hide those chickens. But that's also that's a great movie, so true, true, Fox true. and the Hound. It was the inspiration for that song. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. It was. <laughs> well, playing tricks on me. I see. I see. So uh, we were just talking about how you guys kind of came together and formed this band. And I'm seeing that you only lived, you've only lived together for like a year down yeah, in Denver. Yeah. yeah. So basically, yeah, we stayed in this uh, two bedroom apartment with like four people living there. And like the living room was a bedroom. Yeah. Turns out the, li- the living room makes a really good two bedrooms. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, and then Ben, our drummer, he was like sleeping on the floor for a good like two months. And we were just roughing it, man, just roughing it. Yeah. I bet your back feels great now, though. Fantastic. <laughs> sleeping on the ground. <laughs> but no, that was, that was pretty formative, though, for sure. Like, we, when those were very close quarters, and it really taught us uh, how to interact with each other because we're all very different people. And we definitely almost killed each other a few times, but, <laughs> but we got through it, you know, <laughs> now you're all friends. Yeah, exactly. Minimal yeah. medical bills. So everything went well. We got insurance, and, right? Yeah. Got insurance. <laughs> and now we, we have more space. So it was good. It definitely was a learning experience. Yeah. We upgraded and we got a five bedroom, two bath, big old basement. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I don't got to see any of them if I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need a few days of my own here. I'll yeah. just, uh, Exactly. Held up over here. Uh, so, you got what? Three more songs for us today? Yeah, yeah. I think more. So, yeah. so, are the next two the ones that are going to be leading into each other? Um, Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, what are these two songs called? Uh, the first one is actually a new one as well called Warm Tones. And then what it's going to be leading into is called Abelia. We actually just released it uh, this past November and it's coming out with a music video at the beginning of March. So, which we've been working pretty diligently at. So, yeah, some new things in store. Nice. Uh, who are you guys working with for that video? Uh, it's actually our other roommate, Daniel um, Alexander the Great on Instagram. Uh, but he is a videographer that moved from Boise, Idaho, actually, as well. So we just kind of do everything in-house. And that was Shadow Work, a moody art rock band that KCSU interviewed recently. If you want to hear the full episode, you can check out that at kcsufm.com slash music. Welcome, class. Today we'll be talking about the elements. We're going to start with boron, number five. This class is boron. (laughs) You know, Jimmy, boron is a trace element, so you actually need it to live. Wait a second. Who are you? I'm DJ Pompey. It's a crossover episode. Oh, I get it. So that's why science matters. That's exactly right, Jimmy. And it's why you should listen to me, DJ Pompey. And me, DJ Attorney at Law. On Thursdays from 5 to 7 p.m. to hear more about why science matters on our show, Science Matters.
and we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Thursday, February 10th. Colorado State University reports over 8,700 cumulative cases of COVID-19, with six new cases reported Wednesday. Larimer County reports that they are at a high risk when it comes to COVID-19 transmission, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ranks Larimer County as having high community transmission as well. The county reports over 73,000 cases and 461 deaths. Larimer County's seven-day case rate sits at 484 cases per 100,000 residents, and 59 COVID-19 patients remain in local hospitals. Intensive care units report that they are at 98% capacity based on typical care levels, and around 1 in 8 COVID-19 tests in the county come back positive. Due to high rates of transmission, public health officials recommend the following precautions. Get vaccinated and boosted against COVID-19 if you have not already. Wear masks indoors when people outside your household are present. Masks should fit snug, and KN95 masks are especially recommended. Monitor yourself for COVID-19 symptoms and stay home even if your symptoms are mild. Get tested immediately if you notice any symptoms of COVID-19. If you test positive, seek treatment and isolate. Postpone all indoor gatherings, and in the case that it cannot be postponed, require that all attendees be vaccinated. Consider limiting the number of households present and move activities outside if possible. Employers are encouraged to promote remote work opportunities for employees where possible. The county also reminds residents to continue practicing social distancing. The state of Colorado reports over 1.2 million COVID-19 cases and nearly 12,000 total deaths from COVID-19. 4.4 million Coloradans have received testing for COVID-19 and 58,000 people are currently hospitalized with COVID-19 in the state. 10.1 million total vaccine doses have been administered in Colorado, and 3.9 million Coloradans are fully vaccinated against the virus that causes COVID-19. The CDC reports over 76.9 million COVID-19 cases and over 906,000 deaths due to COVID-19. Over 80% of eligible Americans are vaccinated against the virus that causes COVID-19, but community transmission remains high as states across the country begin reversing mask mandates. I'm Coda Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. If you are a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine info or exemptions, schedule saliva screenings, and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. Now for tech news. Apple says some iPhones recorded Siri conversations mistakenly despite users having opted out of collecting recordings. According to Emma Roth at The Verge, the company said a bug in devices may have opted users into recordings automatically and that they are working to delete recordings from devices that were originally opted out. The bug causing this issue came with the release of iOS 15. Recordings are being deleted from all devices where the bug was identified, and iOS 15.2 corrected it. Catherine Franklin, an Apple spokesperson, said, quote, This bug inadvertently enabled the setting for a small portion of devices. Since identifying the bug, we stopped reviewing and are deleting audio received from all affected devices, end quote. The statement did not say how many devices were impacted, but iPhone users can check whether they are up to date with current iOS 15.2, which fixed the bug by going to Settings, then going to the General tab. 
Tesla CEO Elon Musk is supporting efforts to restore internet access to Tonga after a series of seismic events damaged a fiber optic cable nearly a month ago. According to Nick Perry and David Rising at the Associated Press, an underwater volcano severed the cable and caused a tsunami which killed three people. The majority of Tongan residents remain without internet access and some without safe drinking water due to ash contamination. SpaceX and Musk plan to establish a satellite internet connection to Starlink as the fiber optic cables are repaired. Musk previously showed interest in supporting Tonga and reestablishing internet access, tweeting out, quote, Could people from Tonga let us know if it is important for SpaceX to send over Starlink terminals, end quote. In addition to Tonga facing connectivity issues, the country, which had largely avoided COVID-19, now faces an outbreak brought to the country by someone on board the original internet repair ship. UNICEF and the World Health Organization sent aid in the form of 5,000 PCR tests and 15,000 rapid tests for COVID-19. $3.6 billion in Bitcoin was confiscated from a couple in New York due to the money being connected to a hack in 2016. According to Ryan Lucas at National Public Radio, the couple is charged with conspiring to launder over the stolen Bitcoin. The seizure is the largest monetary value of any confiscation the Department of Justice has engaged in. The stolen Bitcoin is believed to have been connected to a 2016 breach of Bitfinex, according to NPR. The hackers stole around 120,000 Bitcoin during this breach and transferred them to a virtual account or digital wallet. The couple, Heather Morgan and Ilya Lichtenstein, also face a charge of conspiracy to defraud the United States. Cryptocurrency has largely been believed to be untraceable compared to debit and credit transactions, but in a statement, Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco said, quote, Today's arrests and the department's largest financial seizure ever show that cryptocurrency is not a safe haven for criminals, end quote. That's all for Tech News. I'm Koda Babcock and you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. And now for the weather. Thursday was warm and partly cloudy with a high of 53 degrees and a low of 32 degrees. Friday, you can expect scattered showers and moderate winds with a high of 42 and a low of 18. Moving into the weekend, Saturday will be partly cloudy with a high of 45 and a low of 26, and Sunday will be sunny with a high of 52 and a low of 26. Monday, expect mostly sunny skies with a high of 53 and a low of 30. Tuesday will be almost identical, and for Wednesday, you'll have to tune in to our next show on Tuesday from 4 to 5 in the afternoon for the Rocky Mountain Review, only on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandell, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you.